This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. So I got a little sugar in me, so you better get ready. Doesn't take much for me to get going. Hey, I'm glad to have all of you here. If you're guests, we welcome you. We love to speak the Word of God to you. Only the truth will set you free. So if you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real, real high, and our ushers would gladly get you a Bible. And then we will go to the book of Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus chapter 26. Okay, as you're turning there, just a couple things real quick. In the book of John chapter 14, verse 6, the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. The only, the only way to the Father is through the Son. There were four these there right now. I am the way, the truth, the life. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And so the way I view God, the way I view the Lord Jesus, and the way I view the Word of God is the way I'm going to serve God. And so do, do you believe God is the only God? Do you believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior? Do you believe the Scriptures is the life of God? And so again, it'll, it'll change everything about you, every one of us in here. And so just look at that in that, that sense there. All right, in the book of Leviticus, this whole chapter, it deals with two paths. The path of obedience and the path of disobedience. And that still pertains to us to this day. And so let me ask you a question here. What in your life is more important than God? Now, if I was to ask you that, every one of us would say out of my mouth or your mouth, there's nothing more important than God. But see, we can talk that. But do I walk that? And so let me ask you again. What is more important in your life than God? Is money? Is looks? Thank you for answering. I saw a startling fact the other day on looks. More people die in America of anorexia than they do of suicide. Wow. Because of a thing called Hollywood, and I can tell you this, that figure isn't talking to most men, all right? <laughs> it's talking to women, and we, we put an imagination in women in our society that you need to be Barbie doll lookalikes. Well, that's not your identity, okay? If you're skinny, bless you. If you're not, bless you, okay? Don't believe that lie. And if you deal with that, I'd love to pray with you after the service, okay? Because that's a lie. How about success? How about my reputation? Is that more important than God? My securities in life. And so again, every one of us have things we've got to deal with in this, but something happens when I just obey the Word of God. So we begin Leviticus 26, verse 39, and we're still on our series, Hand Me Downs. So watch how this begins. And those of you who are left shall waste away in their iniquity. That word waste there means to rot. So he said you will rot away in your iniquity. Now again, we've been on this for several weeks, but I wanted to describe the word iniquity again. The the word iniquity means to bend in a certain direction, to twist in a certain direction. Uh, it can come in the, the meaning of 
There's certain cycles in our, in our life that begins to take place over and over. So what happens here with this word of iniquity? That when I live in iniquity, the devil has right into your life. But if I repent of those iniquities and I get out of them, then he begins to go after something else. Now look what he goes after next. And they'll waste away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands. Also, in the iniquities of our fathers. In the sins of our fathers. So when we talk about iniquity, we begin to talk about things that have been around a long time if they have to do with your forefathers. And he said, we'll rot away with him. So we, we can look at these and think, ah, that stuff doesn't mean anything to me. Those things are old. That doesn't take place anymore. Well, a passage in, in Matthew 24, 12, the Lord Jesus said this, that the end times will be marked, that lawlessness, wickedness, and iniquity will begin to abound. It will begin to multiply. It will begin to increase. So in that passage, he warns us that one of the great signs of the end times is iniquities are going to start abounding. So again, if we can look at these things and say, yeah, that stuff doesn't happen anymore, I'm telling you, you're kidding yourself. So a couple weeks ago, I have the thought, I'm going to end on this. I'm not going to go here anymore. But about two weeks ago, an event took place that it literally it broke my heart when I heard this. A 12-year-old boy, he died. And I said, how did he die? And they said he hung himself. Now, what in the world would cause a 12-year-old to hang himself? And then through the story as it went on, within the year, his grandfather had hung himself. Now, this is where the story gets real interesting. This 12-year-old boy is the one who found his grandfather hanging. So you look at this, this demon that moved within this grandfather, I believe actually jumped on this 12-year-old. But it didn't end there. Then I was told that the mother and the father of this little 12-year-old boy began to cry out and they said, we need help. And the reason they said they needed help was there had been an, an uncle on the same family line Who had hung himself. So now we begin to see a generational iniquity. Now listen to me. You may not have that problem within your bloodline. But you probably got some form of problems in your bloodline. So I, I can go back in my life at an early age. I begin to be dominated by alcohol. And you look at, at a 12 year old boy hangs himself. Well the first time I ever took a drink when I was 12. And I had good parents. But something happens on the inside of us, and if we're not careful, we begin to bend to those things. So one of the reasons we teach on this is for this right here, that we begin to see this. Now, if you'll go back with me to verse 39, it says, also when there are fathers' iniquities. Now look at this next phrase. Which are with them. Those iniquities are with them. Keep reading. Now here's part of the cure. 
But if they will confess their iniquity, and if they will confess the iniquity of the fathers. So now the Bible begins to instruct us. The word confess here is the meaning of the word repentance. To openly open my mouth and repent to God for my iniquity and for the iniquity of my fathers right here. And so he begins to teach us the word of God that not only do we repent of those, but God always looks for one that will say, oh, okay, Lord, through your grace, we're going to break this and turn from this. So when you look at the word repentance, yes, it is rooted in the word confession, but it also means a change. There should be some changes within us. So he goes on and says this, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me. Now we begin to see a root in this. The unfaithfulness. So that word in many translations says means because of their casualness. We casually serve God. Now the the message says this. God said, I too will behave toward them with casualness. Now, when I read this right here, do I I heed the word of God? Do I obey the word of God? Or do I just blow it off? Proverbs 28, 13 says this, You cover your sins, you will not prosper, but those who confess them and forsake them will have mercy. So God is looking at ones that says, Man, I'm, I'm needing someone. That will become a generational history maker, a generational blessing. And that's us. So he goes on to say in this passage, And they have also walked contrary or in hostility to me, and that I've also walked in hostility to them, and I have brought them into the land of their enemies. Now understand, when you see things in the Bible, at, at times it appears that God is doing Uh, evil things to people, God doesn't have any evil in him. God's a good God. But what literally happens is when we begin to operate in sin and we live in a casualness and a hostility toward the things of God, this is what God does. He steps back and says, if this is how you want to live, I'll allow you to live that way. And now the door to the enemy is open, not because of God, because of me. My casualness to the things of God. That's why I say you can blow this stuff off. Or I can begin to heat it. And so ultimately what it's talking about here is he said, you're going to get stuck in a cycle. Verse number 41. And that have also walked contrary to them and brought them to the land of their enemies. If their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt... So what he's talking about here is when I put on the robe of humility, uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 says that God gives grace to the humble. Part of the robe of humility is I come before God and I say, Father God, I'm a sinner. I've blown it. And he said, you'll acknowledge or you'll admit your guilt. So he said, I come before God and I said, Father God, I've missed it. I've blown it. I've sinned and I've sinned. Now look what he says would take place here. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. 
And so what he's talking about here, guys, is God never goes back on his word. But because of our choices, we break the covenant. So when you look at the word confess and repentance, that is a legal activity that gives God a legal right to act in your life. So don't view repentance as negative. Review, uh, view it as a positive, as a blessing. I did something in here on Friday that I can tell you in the, the 20 years of pastoring or close to that, I've never done. In John 16, starting in verse 7, it said God sent the Holy Spirit into the world to convict us of sin. He didn't say condemn us. He said to convict us of sin. God doesn't do that to beat us up. God does that to get our hearts right. So I come in here on Friday afternoon, and I begin to pray, and I, I sense this thought in me from the Lord. He said, I want you to go up and down every aisle on every chair and pray my conviction. And I thought, why would I do that, Father God? Because God views this as an opportunity for us to get our hearts right. That's how much God loves us. And so when we begin to obey the word of God in those areas, something happens. But if I don't obey what God says here, then I get in trouble. Now go with me to the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26. And I don't know how many more weeks I'm going to be on there. There's some things that uh, God has really challenged me in the area. And it's, it's a leadership principle. Leadership's not a position. It's not a title. Leadership, number one, is how well I live my life. And leadership, number two, is how well I teach you to live your life. And so there's some things to the Bible in these upcoming weeks I'm going to bring out on that. And so we begin here, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 2. Like a flighting sparrow... Like a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause shall not alight or come to rest. That's interesting right there. You either fall under a curse or you fall under a blessing. So when he uses the illustration he does here, it's almost like he's showing us a picture in the spirit realm that as we see in this physical realm, after you get out of church and you go outside, you'll see sparrows flying all over the place. And those sparrows are looking for a place to land. In the spirit realm, he likens a curse to those of like a sparrow. And they're looking for a place to land. But if you notice what he said in the last part of verse 2, he said, So a curse without a cause shall not alight. So you know what he's telling us? A curse cannot come upon any of us without a legal right, without a cause. So what is the cause? It's a thing called sin. Anytime we get over into sin in our life, we open our lives up to the enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8, your adversary, your opponent, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Not who he will devour, who he may devour. So the devil's always looking for an opportunity to come in. 
So now we go back to where we were a number of weeks ago in the book of Genesis chapter 4. There's a man named Cain. Cain had chosen to do what was wrong over and over, and God gave him an opportunity to repent. And God said to Cain, he said, Cain, if you'll do what's right, you'll make your right or your wrong right. I'm giving you an opportunity to do what's right. Genesis 4 verse 7 says this, but sin lies at the door. Sin crouches at the door. And so guess what he was telling him here? If you don't choose to do what's right, sin is waiting to pounce on you. The cross-reference of that in the New Testament is Ephesians 4.27. Do not give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. So now when we begin to look at generational stuff, he said you'll rot away in your iniquity. Or you'll rot away in your father's iniquity. So in our lives, every one of us in here, if I don't confess and turn from my sin, I open the door. But if I don't repent of my father's sin, that means no one's ever repented of it and turned from then I'm in trouble there. So both me and my father have gotten outside of the parameters or the boundaries that God set up. That's why it's so important for us to know the word of God. And live within those boundaries. And let me tell you something. I believe this with all my heart. The church. The ministers. The pastors. We've done a horrible job in a couple areas. Number one. We've downplayed the seriousness of sin. We want to make everybody think it should be fat, funny and laugh. But we've overplayed a thing called grace. And I believe in grace. But we've almost given humanity the permission to say, you can live however you want and there's no consequences of sin. That's not true. We cannot bypass sin and think there's no consequences. If you don't believe there's a consequence for sin, Romans 6.23 says the wages or the compensation, the recompense of sin... Death. So again, if I don't tell you the truth in this area, I've done you no good. So now when we begin to look at this, do you not believe in grace? I believe in grace. But grace isn't a license to tell me you can live however you want. Grace was an empowerment to tell you, I'm going to help you do what you couldn't do for yourself. Thank you. So again, I'm telling you, this stuff isn't fun all the time to preach on this. But I believe this is where we are in our society. So now we have the question, so what do I do here? Well, the first thing I want to point out today is God has given us the means or the ability to get rid of sin in our life. Number one, by my repentance. If you'll confess your sin and the sin of your father. I want to ask you something right now. If you had to fill into that blank, what do you need to repent of right now? Now my goal here is not to make you uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit does that. <laughs> so again, if you had to fill in that blank, are there areas in your life? 
So again, there's times in my life that I'll come in here and I will sense the thoughts of God in my mind. And, and on Friday, I had another one. And the Lord is constantly saying, you need to cleanse your bloodline. There's stuff in my bloodline, the history of my family that I know. And the Lord's saying, cleanse it, stay under the blood and repent of it. So I'm in here Friday, and here's the thought that comes. The Lord said this to me. He said, you need to repent of your bloodline because you had family members that used my name in vain all the time. And you know what I realized? I don't use the Lord's name in vain. But I had family members that did. And the Lord was saying, I want to clean up your bloodline. So guess what I did? I stood before God and I said, Father God, I forgive, I ask you to forgive me, my family bloodline, for using your, your name in vain. You know, God's name, his last name isn't. That's not God's last name. So again, it may look differently in your life than it did mine, but I'll guarantee you there's stuff in there. So we begin to see some truths that come out right here. Now, go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 11. Exodus chapter 11. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> I am too. Exodus 11. Let me tell you what's going on as you're going to Exodus 11. We're going to be in Exodus 11 and Exodus 12 a little bit. The Israelites, God's chosen, had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. Now, I I want you to just think about that, 400 years. So you have a number of generations that were born in that time frame that never experienced freedom. They were born and they died in bondage. This was God's children. I can tell you right now, that's not God's heart. And so I look at that and I think of our life. What in your life have you been in bondage to for a long time? In my life, it had been alcohol for quite a while. But oh, watch some of this truth that will help us here today. Exodus 11 verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague or one more curse on the Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Now, I highlight that because God says, he's going to let you go. But in order for that to happen, there's some strict guidelines. Verse 4. Then Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight... I will go into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the female or the girl servant who is behind the mill or grinds, and all the firstborn of the animals. Now here's what I want you to see on that verse right there. The reason I read that, no one was exempt. It didn't matter if you were the king on the top of the totem pole or you were the little servant girl that ground flour, you weren't exempt. So guess what he's telling us? This applies to every one of us. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt. Such was not like it before. There shall be like it again. But against, listen, but against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast. 
Listen to what the message says for that. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Pretty good, huh? He goes on to say, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and all of Israel. So now, we begin to see something that takes place in the Word of God. There's a definite distinction between the kids of God and the world. And God said, I want to take care of all of them. None of you. I want to bless every one of you. So now i got to do a little paraphrasing for time. So God tells them, here's what you got to do. you got to get a lamb, a male lamb, that's without spot or blemish. All points to Jesus. And then you got to sacrifice him. About twilight, you sacrifice him. And then you take some of his blood and you put it on the doorposts of your home and on the lintel. Now, we pick up in chapter 12, verse 12. God says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, this is what God said. God said, I'm going to execute judgment. Verse 13. As I begin to read this, I want you to note how many times we say the word you. Now the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague will not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So now we begin to see something The sacrifice here of the blood was seen as means of deliverance for the individual, the family, and the nation. And the reason I highlight this here is the blood points to what Jesus did for me and you. So let's look real closely what he said. If I don't obey the strict guidelines, then I get in trouble. God said, I want to set you free. That's God's desire for every one of them. But we got to listen to the guidelines. So when he said you got to put blood on the doorways, this is what this looked like and on the lintels. Now here's something I ran across on Friday that I've never seen before. When they put the blood on the doorpost, they didn't put the blood on the outside. They put it on the inside. So now it was only visible to those on the inside, not to those on the outside. And so the Lord began to say this to me. That's what happens when my people get the blood on the inside. That something on the inside starts working on the outside. And oh, there's a change in my life. So guess what he was telling us? The blood has got to be received by faith on the inside. So just as God told them, if you don't mark these doors with the blood, right here on the post and the lintel, it won't do you no good. For them to obey that, they had to step out by faith. They had to say, Father God, we believe what you told us is true. Do you know things haven't changed a bit? i got to believe the blood of Jesus still goes to work for me. And something happens when I get that in my heart, that the blood of Jesus is cleansing me. That the blood of Jesus has redeemed. You know what the blood, the word redeemed means? It means it purchased you. It bought you back. You've been redeemed. You've been justified. 
2 Corinthians 5, 21. You are the righteousness through God in Christ. You've been sanctified. You've been set apart. You've been declared righteous. Now, I can say all that to you, but unless you grab that by faith and you say, this is what God said, it doesn't do me no good. So this is what they did. They had to step out and believe. Verse 14. So this day shall be to you a memorial. You know what God's saying? Don't ever forget it. And you shall keep it. You shall keep it. You shall obey it as a feast to the Lord. Now watch this. Throughout your generations. So you know what God just said? As long as you'll keep this memorial and you'll obey it year after year, it's a generational blessing. And it'll cover your generations forever. And then he goes on to say, you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. So God had plans right here that he said, I'm going to take care of them. And I want to be a blessing to them. Now, this is all crossed into Hebrews chapter 9. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. So now we begin to see number two begins to play in. Number one, something happens when I confess my sin. I obey God. I just obey the scriptures and I come before God. I said, Father God, I've blown it. I've blown it and I've blown it and I've blown it. But then something happens too when I begin to live under the blood of Jesus. Now watch what this says here. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. How much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more? Why do I highlight that? Because in the Old Testament there in Exodus, when they sacrificed the lamb, it was a physical animal that they had to do year after year after year. But now he says that if that lamb back in the Old Testament set them free from the bondage of Egypt, how much more will the blood of Jesus? How much more? And i got to stay under the blood. So he goes on. How much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God Cleanse your conscience from dead works. The blood of Jesus is a cleanser. Let me give you some a my paraphrased edition. The blood of Jesus is the only stain stick against sin. And if you're a good sinner, you should have shouted. I thank God for that promise. It doesn't matter what it was. Jesus said, I'll, I'll take their place. And he said, because of the blood, I'll cleanse your conscience. Let me ask you something right now. I'm going to get a little personal with you. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want. How many of you have ever been somewhere and you've had the craziest thought in the world? I mean, one of those thoughts where you looked around and you thought, thank God no one can hear my thoughts. I've had that. It's okay to admit that. I've had those. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that I can say, Lord, I speak the blood over my mind right now. I ask your blood to cleanse me. Let me throw this in here for you. This may help you. 
You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can sure keep them from nesting in your hair. What did he say, Myrtle? Again, thoughts are going to come, but that thought doesn't come into sin until I act on it. But what would happen if we would say, Lord, I welcome your blood to cleanse my thoughts? See, again, that's part of prayer. Oh, Lord Jesus, by faith, I receive that you're cleansing my thought life. How many have ever had problems with your eyes? It's okay to raise your hands. It would be unanimous if the men would raise their hands. <laughs> Sorry, men, for selling you out. I'm a man. Man, I got to cleanse my eyes on a daily basis. I stay under the blood. Now, watch the last thing that he says the blood was good for in verse 14. To serve the living God. If you'll note there, he didn't say, so you can keep sinning. The blood of Jesus is there for you to act however you want because it's okay. We live under grace. No, he said the blood of Jesus would cleanse us to the point that we would serve God. Wow. I don't know about you. I want to serve God. I want to live for God. And as a, as a, as a born-again Christian... I'm still under construction and you are too. The only difference now is that when I used to sin, it hadn't bothered me. You know why? Sinners like to sin. But now I got born again and my nature's changed. I don't like to sin even though at times there are due. And so when I do sin, I go before God and I repent of that. And I say, Lord, watch. I don't want to live that way. So guess what? You're under construction. You're going to be under construction until Jesus comes back or you leave this earth. Now, in this same chapter, it says, There is no remission of sin without the blood. I'm going to give you some definitions of the word remission. And I want you to listen to these and see how many of these apply to your life right now. The word remission means to send away. A release from bondage or imprisonment. A dismissal. The canceling out of all judgment, of all obligation, of all punishment, of all debt. Now, as I read those, I thought, and I qualify for about every one of those. The blood of Jesus. So is there stuff that you're imprisoned to right now? That you're held in bondage to? Oh, thank God Jesus wants to set us free. I turn just a couple pages to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Well, I've done a lot better job preaching today than you guys have amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Philip, I'll come preach to you. Anytime God deals with us on areas like this, He wants to bless us. He wants us to move us in new ground. I was up really, really early this morning. You know what I begin to say out of my mouth? Father God, you've been really good to me. How many of you can say that? God's been good to me. God, oh, He's been good to me. 
I mean, I was just so blessed. All morning long, I said, man, over and over, Father God, you've been so good to me. And I've, I've witnessed firsthand how God's changed me. He's changed my nature. He's changed everything within me. Watch what he says here in 1 John. I'm not going to verse 9. I'm going to verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. You know what that phrase, walk in the light there, literally means? To live accountably before God and before man. In other words, i got to have some accountability. Now, Father God, I live before you. But I believe in every one of our lives, there's times when we need to be held accountable to other men. Not for them to beat us up. But that would be like me coming to Joel and saying, Joel, I need help right now. Getting kicked around in life. I need prayer. You know, the Bible's very clear that one will put a thousand, two will put ten thousand to flee. In Matthew 18, it talks about the prayer of agreement. If two of you will begin to agree. So something happens when there becomes accountability. And I say, man, I need help. I'm drowning. This is what he's talking about. He wants to help us. And he goes on to say, and if we have fellowship with one another, now watch this. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from the big sins of our life. He said, from all sin. Every sin in the world, the blood of Jesus is the answer for. And thank God. There were years in my life, I had a letter jacket. And my letter jacket had a big S on it. Not for swan, for sin. I lettered in sin for a number of years. And I remember still to the day when I walked that aisle and gave my heart to Jesus. It blew me out of the water when I found out a man died for me. He said, I'll take your place. And I've never forgotten those days. But through the teaching of the Word of God, something happens when I obey to say, Lord, I've I got to repent and i got to keep repenting. And then I come under the blood of Jesus. It begins to wash. Woo, it begins to wash. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.